This is Film Festival Secrets. I'm your host, Chris Holland. My guests in this episode are Jen West and James Martin, friends of mine and filmmakers here in Atlanta. They're partners in crime, partners in life, and partners in both crowdfunding and filmmaking as well. I first met them in the Filmmakers Lounge at the Sidewalk Film Festival, where Jen's short film Bubble was playing. In the years since then, I've kept up with them and watched them build an audience, crowdfunding and producing project after project. Last summer, when I was crowdfunding this podcast, Jen and James joined me during a live webinar to talk about their campaign for a documentary short about the Sazerac cocktail. They reached their campaign goal while they were on the air, which didn't steal my thunder at all. I sat down with James and Jen in their home in Atlanta to talk about their first feature film project, Electric Blue, which is about to end its crowdfunding campaign for development funds. So I'm sitting in the lovely home of James Martin and Jennifer West. It's Jennifer, right? It's not something weird like Jenna Rue or something. <laughs> Jenna, Jenna Rue would like actually that. be awesome. Yeah. I like that. No, yeah, Jennifer. Jen. That's your music festival, Jenna Rue. It's Jenna Rue, yeah. <laughs> Going to the backyard. and So if you're, you're hearing the echo off these lovely hardwood floors, you're just going to have to put up with it because I'm not setting up a, a soundproof studio in this place. Yeah. That would be interesting and nice soundproof box you just show up eight hours early and set up right. the studio <laughs> no there are people who do or i could have the portable recording studio where everybody has their own mic or what like i'm you know i love podcasting but i'm not quite there yet little mixer on the table someday you guys probably have to deal with a number of sound issues when filmmaking yeah no. Oh, yeah. AK, we would never choose this house to shoot anything we live next to a train yard i'm sure you'll hear the marta pass by a few times and we have, like, no less than a zoo living in our house as well. Two cats and a dog. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> wait, it's two we'll, cats now? We'll make do. Yeah, there's another around here somewhere. Yeah, one, one of our kitties passed away a few months ago. But, yeah. But, yeah, we still have Dorito and Baby Kitty and Cilantro. Now that we've done the roll call of <laughs> animals we might hear and excused ourselves for having bouncy sound, uh, let's talk about... Movies. Yay. Which you guys make. How many movies have you completed up to this point? Well, myself, um, five short, well, four short films and a music video. And three of those were with James. Yes. And then that's not including Sazerac, which you directed. Right. Yep. Usually I produce Jen's narrative shorts and we switched roles and I directed a documentary, short documentary. So, and then she produced so it was a nice uh, way for us to sort of switch switch what we were doing and try it out. Yeah, and you killed it. <laughs> Thanks. The partnership thing must be nice. You know, I think filmmaker as entrepreneur is uh, kind of a hot topic right now. Yeah. Um, not that filmmakers haven't always been entrepreneurs. By the way, do you say entrepreneur or entrepreneur? I'm a nerd guy. I say entrepreneur. I, yeah. I, I don't really know how to say it, so I just I start off with entre and then I just mumble. Yeah, I don't know. Newer sounds. <laughs> you like yeah. going out of your way to get that. Yeah, it sounds you a little connection. extra formal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, True. But I had you on my crowdfunding webinar months back when yes. I was crowdfunding for Film Festival Secrets. Uh, this episode, which is a direct result of all that. And, uh, I wanted to check in with you guys, you know, at that point you had, I think you were 
during the webinar, you <laughs> passed the hundred percent mark for the Sazerac dot, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so let's let's go through through the uh, the shortly through the the litany of films that you've crowdfunded. Um, the first one, one, first one was well. Rebecca and I, Rebecca Pugh and I, crowdfunded on Kickstarter for a short film called Crush. Mm-hmm. And then um, when James and I started working together, he developed a. Uh, we kind of experimented on our own, and he built a crowdfunding platform just for us for um, Bubble, which was also a voting system between three stories. And then um, Little Cabbage. And yeah, and, and then we were introduced to Seed Spark. Spark. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so Seed and Spark led us through Little Cabbage and the New Orleans Sazerac. Um, yeah, which is, you just mentioned, we were at the end, tail end of crowdfunding when we were on the webinar. And we got, like, this crazy, pretty big contribution right at the end that took us over at the top. So it's, you you captured that moment. Which is cool. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, I'll uh, be putting that online at some point, but... So, and now you're in the middle of crowdfunding for your first feature. Yes. Oh, my God. scary, yes. Yeah, it's just um, for development funds, but it's still almost three times more than what we've ever tried to raise online before. So, we're trying, we're we're going for Mm 28.5, and the highest in the past that we've done was Little Cabbage, and that was 10. So, 28.5 million. (laughs) Yes. That. Yes. Yeah, a lot now, of fire. thousand. Uh, and then offline, the, for the film itself, we're, we're now looking at a million fifty thousand for, for, um, union reasons. And for the, for the production side of For the production, course. correct. So the money we're raising on, um, Student Spark for Electric Blue is for development funds. Okay. Yeah. And so that'll get us by. We, um, the, we'll go, I'm sure we'll go over the plot and the story and everything later, but, it basically gives us the money needed to um, to do some scouting and, and all of that and entertainment and, lawyer, you know, the legal fees and things. But then it's allowing us to do some creative uh, components that are going to be utilized in the feature later. Some yeah. original songs. Um, it's focused around a band in the 1980s, so they're going to uh, under that they're going to embody that band and create some original songs for us in, in yeah. the next few months. Yeah. A huge chunk of that is going towards that, which we, we were told advised in the beginning, that would be a, a big selling point for investors to help sell the, the vibe of the film and mm-hmm. be able to hear that. Plus we need it done anyway. So you need audio visual aids to yeah. sell to investors. No, that's, I mean, yeah. that's very smart. And I think, um, Pretty much anybody does that. So this is uh, a spiritual sequel to Josie and the Pussycats, I'm guessing. <laughs> Maybe not so much. It's um, about a uh, biracial punk rock singer in 1980s New Orleans who is given a fam- family heirloom, which is a musical instrument, that once she becomes uh, the owner of this instrument, has to figure out a way to destroy it because it's possessed with a... Um, an ancestor of hers that's basically a, a bad guy. So it's a thriller. It's a lot of fun. And it follows these biracial twins through like five generations in Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. So um, just your basic boy meets girl kind of no thing. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. got like four periods. <laughs> yeah. A lot of art direction happening. Well, yeah. We've also been told, though, that while it is ambitious, it's very doable because we're not 
We've been, we've actually already been using like talking to Molly Coffee mm-hmm. to do production design, and she feels very comfortable comfortable and confident with the budget that we'll have to be able to execute those time periods. Right. So, so nothing Molly's, outrageous. Talk about tell people who Molly is. Molly Coffee is actually a filmmaker here in Atlanta. She's embarking on her first feature that she hopes to make this year, um, which she's documenting on her podcast, Atlanta Film Chat. But by day and by trade, uh, she is a production designer and a damn good one and has her own um, space where she works out of and has like a whole team of people. It's like the best of the best in Atlanta. So, yeah, it's just really cool to work with somebody who I feel is a very like mind um, in a similar space as ourselves. So you're drawing on local talent and, and mm-hmm. you're expecting to film here? Uh, South Georgia and Louisiana, probably okay. not much in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Um, has the, I mean, this seems like sort of an, an obvious question, but how has the explosion of commercial filmmaking affected your feelings about your ability to make this film? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think the, the really good thing that's come out of it all is that there are just a, a ton of talent in Atlanta mm-hmm. and in the Southeast in general that um, I think that there's this uh, element of them going from these bigger budgets and, and getting paid a lot of money to potentially wanting to do something a little bit more creative and to be able to collaborate with an, another story and maybe a story that they can have a little bit more ownership of and more time to develop their character and things. So um, on the, and that's on the cast side. On the crew side, I think, um, I think we're fortunate because there are just a ton of really talented people that we hope to be able to collaborate with that normally we would maybe have to fly in from LA or New York or something. But they're already you know, here. But they're already here. So I yeah, think that's I pretty think, amazing. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. I mean, we're not trying to necessarily compete with a big budget film. And we're not trying to step on any toes in that regard. So I think that there's some room for some independent film happening here. Oh yeah. I agree. I was talking the other day with um the programmer, one of the features programmers for the Seattle Film Festival, uh getting Brad Wilkie, and he was talking about how important it is for him to be able to discover, you know, people who haven't had big festival runs yet and who, you know, maybe don't have a festival history, that sort of thing. Uh, and I imagine there will be people who have, you know, are working on local productions that are big budget and whatever, but they want to work on independent stuff because it is more creative and because there's a chance to own more of it. I think, you know, to sort of be part of uh, a wonderkind, you know, story. Naturally, it doesn't always work out that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, to me, that feels like the reason that people who are working and making good livings in the industry will work for practically nothing on a small film. Right. Yeah. Um, how are you pitching those people? Well, uh, we're not mentioning anything about money. I mean, this is like a very, this is a very personal uh, project for Jen. And so we're approaching it very um, from the creative side and her telling people about the story and about how she's been wanting to tell it and getting them excited about it. And, uh, and, and seeing how that, how they react to something like that sort of reacting towards the emotional side of it, as opposed to dealing with the financials, you know, right out, right out the gate. 
Yeah. And we have specific budget lines for crew and talent already figured out. And it's actually with a, a million dollar, roughly a million dollar budget. Originally we wanted to do 1.8. We learned something very significant. So we're trying to bump it down to a million um, about diversity and casting a, a big incentive. Um, but even with a million dollars, you can pay people pretty decently. So I feel pretty good about what we can offer. I mean, it's certainly not a, a 10 million or a $50 million film, but I think it's worthwhile if people have that time available. So it's certainly nothing to shake a stick at. Right. But when we start the conversations, like he said, especially with talent, we want them to feel more inspired by the story than monetarily what we have to offer. Cause that's basically what they're going to have to be attached to is the story to want to do it. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think anybody comes into a, independent film kind of situation and says, well, this is where I make some money yeah. <laughs> uh, on, on the flip side. If you are mentioning your budget, I, I imagine there those people are going, well, with a million dollars, there's, you know, there's room in there for me. <laughs> there's some, there's know, something I'm going to get paid something. So yeah, yeah. Yes. that's, that's interesting. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, so given that you're doing, you know, sort of development funds and that sort of thing, um, What's the difference in your approach between crowdfunding for, for this project and crowdfunding for films where presumably you were going for the whole banana and a much smaller banana at that? Um, I'll just chime in first. Um, it's really quite similar in a lot of ways because when we were doing the crowdfunding for a short film, the incentives that we're offering people are to attend a screening, to get a link of the film if they want to see it later, to receive a postcard, to get a signed script, all of these things that we could then replicate in the production of the feature, it's just going to be a little, take a little bit longer to deliver those because of the process. Um, we're not, you know, we're, we're offering things that I think are really exciting for people to, to get behind and to still get that sort of physical, um, uh, thing back, but they are, uh, they're sort of, willing to maybe wait a little bit longer for that. And also we're doing the music side of things for the development fund. So we're offering some really fun incentives like a, you know, like a vinyl seven inch vinyl or um, some really great branding and poster design that that's going to tie into this band that's in the eighties. So I think it's similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, I think what's different about this campaign is that, well, it's not what's different is that we've done, Several, as you know, and I think people know we're going to do it. And so that's a big thing. I think if we had just come out of the gate at first crowdfunding campaign, hey, this is for development funds. This is, not, this is not even for the actual film. People might be a little more skeptical or not really. It would be very hard to raise $28,000 off of that. So, a lot more skeptical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, way so, more skeptical. I know. I know. So, pe- so the fact that people are not only doing it with the same energy and passion as before, but maybe even more so is pretty wonderful. And I think it's because we have a track record. And also number two, um, we brought on a talent early. Um, it's an upcoming musician, AJ Haynes of the Serotones, and they're going to be a pretty big band and they're already on track even with this year of becoming that way. And people were able to see her perform. We've been putting out stuff of her, of her work and people really like her. And, I think that's helping us kind of reach beyond our original or normal audience, which is our family and friends. 
and that's been the real the real challenge with this particular campaign is is out um, stepping out of family and friends. That's a very hard thing to do. People could say all day long that they do that, but I, I I really feel like that's a very complicated and tricky and challenge. And I'm hoping that in the next two weeks, second half of our campaign, a lot a lot of that's going to rely on our ability to step outside of the people who already know and believe in us. So we're going to have to pull out some some big things, which we're trying to do right now. Yeah, I mean. We've already started that in reaching out to different publications that maybe focus more around the the punk music scene or that are maybe a little bit uh, into the, the the concept of the story to be able to share that with uh, an audience that isn't necessarily a part of our core audience currently. And maybe attaching a big name or two, which we're really trying hard to do right now. So, Well, there are enough of them in Atlanta these days. I know. You know yeah. It's not like you Some have to fly to LA to take people. meetings. Yeah, we're trying. Yeah. It could happen in the next. It could happen before the end of the campaign, which I hope it does. Uh, so, how much are you relying on the band's audience building? Not much. Efforts? Not much. We haven't asked her to do. Um, we wouldn't ask her to take on that responsibility. Um, we're just grateful that she's excited about being in the project and is doing all of this amazing work and writing these original songs. Mm-hmm. She has certainly shared it. And, um, and we sometimes on Twitter will tag the serotones in some posts, but, um, we're not really hiring the band to work in this film. It's more of just AJ. So that's a kind of a, a gray area. So when we speak, we have to talk about AJ we certainly want to give the Serotones props because they're an amazing band too, but we're, we're not necessarily working with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine once you get to the point where you're raising money for the film as a whole, I mean, if you do crowdfunding for that, at that point, you know, I, I would be prepping her to, to prep them, right? To, yes. Here's what's going to have to happen. Right? Yeah. And this benefits all of us. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, as much as you can cross pollinate on that and find fans of that band and, you know, really work that connection, the better off you're going to be, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you've got your audience and you've done a great job of building all that. Um, and you have a track record, which is great, which is the number one step to, um, reaching outside of your own, you know, because people who don't, don't know you, they know those festivals that you've played, right? They can see your work, you know, your prior work, providing you've made it available online. Yeah. I hope you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, those are all super big steps. Um, so, where are we in the campaign at this point as we record? We're, we're at the, right at the halfway point, and we are at 51%. Funded, so we are. It always seems staying. to happen that way for us. Just like yeah. you work, you work so hard, and luckily we've been able to keep up with the week. But you see these campaigns sometimes where people like exceed the week. That's never really happened to us. It's always been like heart, heart attack per week. Are we going to hit this goal? Yeah, it's been nice though. I mean, yeah. we're staying, we're keeping steady with the day uh, milestones, and really what we have are, are weekly milestones because we know there's going to be fluctuations. You know, there might be a, a day where. We only get a couple hundred dollars, but in another day where we get a couple thousand that helps to balance it all. Um, so yeah, things are great. I'm, we're re-energized. We feel great that we were able to hit this milestone. Um, we had some assistance from 
a guy who was willing to do a matching campaign for us, which really allowed us to have some nice momentum going into week two and finishing week two strong. Um, yeah, so we're just really, really excited about about where we are. And we're also excited to sort of refocus now and, and plan some new and exciting updates mm-hmm. throughout the next couple of weeks. It, yeah. Speaking of partnerships, I don't know what I would do without having a partner. I mean, you, you kind of had to do it solo with your campaign. I can imagine how hard it was, but I, I, I'm so lucky to have James because especially in crowdfunding, I'm a nervous wreck and he stays pretty positive and balanced. But I think we balance each other out, but I like, he just expressed something very positive, which is very true. And it's good to look at the very positive things that are happening, but I'm always so focused on, What's left? Are we going to do it? Are we doing the right things? Are we being annoying? Are we being exciting? There's like a million questions always like every hour running through my brain. Well, I've expressed it before in that we'll get done with a campaign and we'll have friends, close friends that'll say, Oh, we didn't even realize that you were doing that. Like, can we still help? Yeah. Do a Facebook algorithms too, which kind of suck. Well, but what I mean is it feels like we are completely like spamming the shit out of everybody. (laughs) Yes, it does feel like that. Like, unless you're just like, you know, you can follow certain people and you might see more updates than normal from certain people. I think it's just that we're doing what we, what we can to like update people and let, let them know the news that's happening and, uh, to keep everybody abreast of, of where we are. And then also through that, letting other and other and new people, um, know about where we are and come on as well. So I think it feels weird for whoever's doing the campaign, but it's a necessary thing. And I think we're, we're not, we're doing it in a way that we think works and to try to not completely take advantage of everyone's time, you know, yeah. space. So yeah, it's a fine line. I think it feels like a finer line than it is. Maybe honestly, so. Cause you yeah. know, the number of people who, I thought would be relatively tuned in to what I'm doing, especially if I'm sending out two or three messages on Facebook and Twitter each a day about a project. No, there's just not enough bandwidth, you know, on Twitter. Even if you have, you know, pay attention to your Twitter stream, there's just no way to absorb everything that goes by, particularly if you follow more than let's say a couple hundred people. Right. Right. Um, and then to not only follow what they're doing and appreciate what they're doing, but then to click through, and then to be inspired enough to contribute, yeah, it's hard. I mean, they may really enjoy it, or they may do the. And this happens a lot, where they they'll appreciate it and they'll get back to it later, and then it slips their mind. Yeah. So unless you can reinforce it and, and urgency, and, yeah, or just allow them to know that there is there is time, but also that we need some now too. There, and there's you know? there are like goals as you go right. along. It's just yeah. I like to think of it as broken up into like a 25% goal, right. a 50% goal, a 65% goal, an 80% goal, because that's the green green line on Stephen Spark. And then you have the 100% goal. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Twitter and Facebook are both vast, vast places. Yes. Yeah. And it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that you cannot overpromote. It's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, the people that are seeing it yeah. a lot and that, and that like it, they're not going to say, Oh my God, these guys with another post, they're just going to know that it's, that it exists. And they're just, it's just going to be a part of what they're seeing. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's weird. I don't, I, I'm with you in the, in the idea that we need to, there needs to be direct messaging with people. There needs to be a, the sense that, uh, we want them to know about it in particular, not just anybody who happens to see it. And so we do that a lot where we'll, we'll send direct messages to people that we feel are either going to be into the project or inspired by it or just willing to help us because they've seen our previous work or that they know what we're capable of. Um, if you're just relying on a Twitter post a day or a Facebook post a day and you see you're not getting anything, it's because it's just sort of lost in the chaos, you know? So, well, yeah. yeah. In the case of Facebook, they're deliberately hiding. Right? Exactly. Unless like you, you have to take out the, the boost, the boost, the boost. Right. Well, you know, they're, they're doing what they think is best for the user, which is mm -hmm. if we see that you don't spend a lot of time looking at that person's posts, you never click on them, you never like them, we're going to, you know, we're going to hide them from you unless you specifically say, show me these things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and Twitter, it's just about volume. It's just about the inability to keep up with everything that goes by. Yeah. So I, you know, thought a lot more about both Twitter and Facebook lately. Still not happy with either of them from, from you know, a psychological standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in terms of promotional tools, I feel much less shy about, you know, just setting up those automated tweeters and, and mm -hmm. you know, so long as the content's good, you know, Again, they're so vast. Somebody new is going to be exposed to your thing every time you do it. Yeah. So, and you just sort of have to let the people who might be tired of it worry about themselves. Yeah. Uh, talk about your matching funds. How did you cultivate that relationship? And what was that, you know, without breaking anybody's privacy, right. you know, who are those people? Mm -hmm. Why did they agree to do that? And how did you get that started? Okay. Um, so... There was a uh, a fella who who was connected to us through a mutual friend of ours in Birmingham, who is a young guy who's super inspired and motivated to to do something with film. So he is uh just he has just launched his own production company, although he's sort of been in and out of it in Birmingham and Atlanta in terms of mm -hmm. helping on productions and learning as much as he can. And so through I think through us sharing it over the last couple of weeks, he was introduced to it by a friend who um, he, he just reached out to us directly and said that he wanted to, to learn more about the project and he was really intrigued by it. And so we, we sent him everything that we had, the lookbook, the script, and he just really fell in love with it. And um, he asked if there was anything that he could do to sort of help us with this project. And together we devised this plan of, mm -hmm. of uh, doing a matching campaign through um he could have given us the money straight out and it would have of course boosted our percentage drastically immediately yeah but um in talking with him and some other folks we we realized that it would be an opportunity for us to to let people let other people know that there's somebody investing in us and that believes in what we're doing and so for every contribution that you give it would be doubled including the incentive it it really was a, a nice uh change of pace for us cuz we've never really had that happen in any past campaigns. So, um, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. His name is, uh, Trey, Trey Jordan, Jordan and he's a part of Banjo Media. He's a really nice guy. Um, and yeah, so it's just been this really awesome, uh, thing that just sort of happened. Kind of fell fluidly. from the sky. Yeah. He found us. Yeah. So 
the message to everybody listening out there is <laughs> wait for things to fall from the sky. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, work work your ass off and make your project look good, and then people might fall from the sky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. also, it's I think it goes back to that trust thing. The guy who had who was that sort of middleman who I think happened to share it so that uh, Trey could see it. He's been a supporter of ours for a long time, and I think that he. It's one of those things where we've proven that we're able to deliver on these films and. Beyond that, we're, we're creating experiences for people to come and join us at private screenings and we're, we're trying to go above and beyond what we can to make sure that people are uh, receiving something back for what they've given. And, um, and I think it was just a combination of that and then Trey just really being excited about the project and being excited about being a part of a film that really brought it all together. It's yeah. great. It's awesome. what, what's the expectation on his end about being part of the production? Oh, um, I don't think he has any expectations. Um, he wants to be included if we can, if he can be in anything, um, because he wants to learn more about what it is to make a film of, the, of this, of this kind. And he, you know, nothing has been, uh, confirmed, but he is certainly interested in talking more about ways he can come on when we, when we make the bigger, the film mm-hmm. at large. So that conversation still going. It's definitely an ongoing conversation, and we're definitely going to keep him in the loop and make it a worthwhile um, experience for him because he certainly boosted our campaign and, and got us to a point where we really needed to be at. And right. he just seems got he's he has a great energy, and it would be nice to have him around. Yeah, yeah. It's just nice when people are like actual really nice human beings too you know and he is thankfully and it's just like it's a he's the type of guy that you can you can uh you can just see it in the way that he carries himself that he truly cares and he he's not just trying to he's not like a he's not trying to do it in a weird way he's just genuinely interested and uh and his charisma is apparent and yeah so it's just one of these weird things that we're really thankful for and appreciative that that could happen. And mm-hmm. it did, so. It's also one of the only levels that we're giving a credit in the film for. So too. So that was an interesting, I think that was appealing to him as well. Mm-hmm. You mentioned private screenings earlier, uh, and I'm pretty sure you're having a private screening for Sazerac yes. this weekend, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that was on my calendar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that part of your crowdfunding strategy? I think so. I, I, we've certainly included it on Little Cabbage and the New Orleans Sazerac because um, what it does is it allows us. I mean, Jen sort of is represents Birmingham. She's like, she's that's her home, and she's got so many wonderful friends who support us. And so, for us to be able to go to Birmingham and do a private screening with those who have supported us and the cast and crew that might be from there, that means so much to us. And it's something that we will always try to do if we can. And then on the Atlanta side, it's the same. We've got a lot of support and friends here that if there's a way that we can just try to try to bring all of these people together and all of their energy into one space and show them what we've been working on for the last year or six months or whatever and create an experience around that, then we'll certainly always try to do something like that. Yeah. It's interesting that people who give don't always, aren't always able or interested in attending the local film festival. So this is a great way for them to be able to see what they were a part of. Right. And we yeah. can certainly send out a Vimeo link to those who supported us. But until until we are able to sort of offer this other experience, we, we try to hold back on that. Because 
there's just something nice about seeing it projected and and being a part of a, a group of people seeing it for the first time. Yeah, and seeing it first, period. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that for me, that's something that I would want to be a part of if somebody else were offering it. So yeah, me um, too. So yeah, we we try to build that in for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Are you planning on showing anything from the current project at the Sazerac screening? We made a, a, a deliberate decision. We've already done Birmingham to not push Electric Blue with that because it's not about Electric Blue. Um, and people certainly know that we're doing that. I think we, we did mention it at some point, but it wasn't certainly wasn't the focus. And we didn't want people to feel like we're bringing you here at this exact time because we are we have an ulterior motive. We want people to actually see what we made last year and feel proud of that. And I think as a, um, as a side, uh, effect, people usually go and support what we're doing like right now. Yeah. 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 It's certainly not a part of the program or, or the itinerary that we're putting together, especially with the New Orleans Sazerac screening, because it's so specific on the, the vibe that's set because unlike other screenings where you might go in and get a snack and watch a film, I'm serving Sazeracs to everybody to sip on while they're watching a film about the Sazerac. So it's, it's a very much like uh, focused approach to the screening and for us to say, Oh, and by the way, here's a music video of this band. And this is the pitch video for electric blue. It would feel a little bit off. But I think, I mean, naturally we hang out with people after and there's that conversation. There's there's the nice, like, there's sort of these little pockets of conversations happening to where we can bring it up if it feels right. So you're feeling like you have to work the room tactfully. Yes. Rather than than doing a pitch. I mean, yeah. Either way is valid. I've seen it done both ways. I think it's smart to, when you have that captive audience, at the very least mention it. I think you can can drop it by saying, Thank you to those who supported this film and those of you who are repeat supporters and supporting our current project. You're amazing. We love you, which gives you the entree for other people who don't know about it to find out about it. And then they can ask you after that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, interpersonal stuff when you have a live audience, that's where there really is a fine line. Yeah. You know, right. Like, yeah, yeah the, we don't pass an iPad around like, okay, here's <laughs> the next scene in Spark. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your, yeah. I mean, yeah, but there's no denying that's effective though. Right. Mm -hmm. There are people who will want to give you money on the spot. Right. And you know, it, you know, maybe you're not passing that iPad around, but maybe you should have that iPad in your bag. Totally. You know, ready to go. Right. So part of um, the, uh, it's funny you say that because part of the process for the new Orleans Sazerac was that I, I hosted a, a fundraising, uh, gathering one evening at a local restaurant here in Atlanta where there was a computer set up and there was a, a jar that you could drop cash or check in if that's what you preferred. And, but the, the motive of the event, it was, it was a part of the language. People knew that this was a fundraising effort and, you know, a percentage of drinks was going to it. So if you just wanted to come and drink, awesome. But they knew that you know, they could give those things. Um, so certainly, I mean, we always are with our computers, so it's always on standby if, if we're approached by somebody and they're like, we really want to contribute right, right now. Right this very second. Then yeah. we'll be prepared for that. But yeah, it really just depends on um, the setting of the gathering, you know? So, um, but yeah. Yeah. Speaking of iPads and Seed and Spark, 
How great is their new mobile version? I know. How great is everything? The yeah. new updates are fantastic. Yeah, the rebrand is... I love it. Yeah, they, yeah, they It's they more than just it. a rebrand. It is yeah. like the revamp of the site to be mobile friendly. Technically, that was, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people who were crowdfunding on that platform really felt that. Like people were going, I can't use this on my phone. And they fixed all that. So... Yep. Um, it's it's a it's a happy day for everybody. <laughs> it is. It looks great. It works great. It's fast. Yeah. yeah. We've had we've had no issues. No. Yeah. It's yeah. been wonderful. So uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, all three of us are headed to Oxford, Mississippi. Yes. Uh, and I know Sazerac is playing there. We'll be featured there. Um, do you have a strategy for Electric Blue there at all? Because that's you know it's an audience that maybe knows you and likes you, but might not get exposed to you every day. That's an interesting thought because it'll happen after the crowdfunding campaign ends, but that's something to think about mm-hmm. I, and that we've been so focused on other things. We haven't thought about messaging outside of the crowdfunding campaign. So yeah. that's something we should do. I mean, the focus on my end has been to, to create some experiences at the festival that correlate to the Sazerac. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of where my attention has been. And, and we knew that it was going to be after the campaign. So it hasn't, we weren't approaching it from the idea of like promoting a campaign, but I certainly think now that you've prompted that, yeah, we'll uh, definitely be thinking that about it. It's could, a great opportunity that we could create something to give people as sort of a, a, um, a takeaway, a takeaway that is creative and would allow them to, to know about what's going to happen with the project. That's interesting. It's a big food town. Lots yeah. of lots of boozing and cruising going on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. We got to get some cassette tapes right now. Yeah, <laughs> we got to make some mixtapes, man. Yeah. All right, Jennifer, James, this was a lot of fun. Thank you Aww. guys so much for coming on. Good luck. Thank you. Thank for you. the rest of the campaign, and I promise to get this up before the campaign ends. Aww, thank <laughs> you. And uh, we will be talking again, uh, catching up with you in another episode. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Thanks to Jen West and James Martin for giving up all their crowdfunding secrets. If you visit seedandspark.com and search for the word electric, their campaign pops right up. They're at about 60% of their goal as I'm talking, so I'm sure they'd appreciate your help. You can also visit the show notes to get a link directly to the campaign. That's all for this episode. Please stop by filmfestivalsecrets.com slash podcast to hear more episodes, or you can subscribe in iTunes. Please also leave a review of the show, which will help other filmmakers find it. I'm Chris Holland. Thanks for listening.